Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we're continuing on in our sermon series called One Small Step. And just from that title alone, you can probably guess that we're spending a little bit of time talking about Neil Armstrong and his famous quote, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But what we're really talking about throughout this series isn't space exploration. What we're really talking about is something that a lot of us find to be every bit as difficult as the idea of sending someone into outer space. What we're really talking about throughout the series is how we can share our faith. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about one of the challenges that keeps us from wanting to share our faith and how we can overcome that by taking some small steps. So with that, let's get right into this episode's sermon. Genity Panel. 
Alger, who has actually spent 32 months of his life in outer space over five different missions that he's completed. But we don't think any of those other people when we think about space exploration. Neil Armstrong is still the very first person that just about every single one of us think about when we think about space exploration. It's just the way that it is. And because we always think about Neil Armstrong first when we think about space exploration, because his name has been synonymous with going to space, it's easy for us to forget that Neil Armstrong didn't get himself to the moon. I mentioned this in physics last week, but it's worth repeating again today. NASA estimates that it took thousands of people, more than 400,000 scientists, engineers, and technicians working together for more than a decade to make it possible for Neil Armstrong to be the first man on the moon. And this group of 400,000 scientists, engineers, and technicians, it included people like a guy by the name of Jack Garvey. Now, chances are, unless you are an absolutely huge space buff, you have never heard the name Jack Garvey before. And that's because Jack Garvey never put on a spacesuit. Jack Garvey never climbed into a shuttle. Jack Garvey wasn't an astronaut at all. But if it wasn't for Jack Garvin, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin never would have landed on the moon. And that's because when the lunar module was just a few minutes away from breaching the surface of the moon, they had computer alerts and alarms that started going off. And as Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were scrambling, trying to figure out what was going on, they looked at their computer screens and they saw error messages for a 1201 and a 1202. The problem is that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin had no idea what a 1201 or a 1202 was. So they reached out to Mission Control. And they asked Mission Control if they should continue on with their mission and go down to the moon, or if they needed to abort because of these error codes and never make it to the moon at all. Well, the flight controller realized that this was an issue that was coming from the onboard computer, so he turned to the guidance officer for Apollo 11, a guy by the name of Steve Bales. And he asked Steve Bales to give him an assessment, whether the mission was a go or whether they needed to abort it. But Steve Bales had no idea what those two error codes were either. So he ended up having to reach out to what NASA referred to as backroomers. Backroomers were the people who were literally working in the backrooms all around mission control to help make sure that the flights were success. One of these backroomers was a guy named Jack Garvin. And Jack Garvin was part of a small group of Steve Bales' team that he had put in charge of memorizing every single error code that the onboard computer could give off, just in case something came up. So as soon as Jack Garman heard that there was a 1201 and a 1202 error message on the, uh, on the lunar module, he knew exactly what those two codes meant. And he realized that they had to do with an overload of the memory of the computer, and they weren't a serious issue at all. So Jack Garvin told Mission Control the mission was a go. And a few minutes later, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin safely landed on the surface of the moon. But it wouldn't have happened unless Jack Garvin was there playing his part. So he's just one of those 400,000 scientists, engineers, and technicians who made it possible for Neil Armstrong to be the first person on the moon. But there were plenty of other people didn't have any letters after their last names or any fancy job titles that also were essential to getting a man on the moon. We have people like Ellie Foraker. Now, Ellie Foraker, when NASA was founded back in 1950, gave 
She was working for a company called the International Latex Corporation of Delaware. And what ILC was most famous for making back then was latex, women's undergarments. But as she was working in the factory one day, she was sewing up a pair of baby pants. And a NASA engineer came to her and asked her if she wanted to try her hand at sewing something else. Well, Ellie Foraker would go on to share later on in an interview that she did for a documentary called Moon Machines. But I had no idea that they were going to ask me to sew the spacesuits the astronauts wear. But that's exactly what Ellie Foraker did. She was part of a group who sold the actual spacesuits that the astronauts needed to wear. So if it wasn't for people like Ellie Foraker, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin wouldn't have had anything to wear when they made it to the moon. And Ellie Foraker and Jack Garvin, they're just the tip of the iceberg of people who made it possible for us to put a man on the moon. You also have people like Eldon Hall. Eldon Hall was responsible for developing the computer chip that would power the onboard computers in the space shuttle. You have people like Emil Scheiser. Emil Scheiser was part of a group who was responsible with figuring out where on the moon exactly the space shuttle, the lunar module, should land when it arrived. And you have people like Rita Rapp. Rita Rapp oversaw the division that prepared the food for the astronauts that they would eat while they were in space. So it took a team of hundreds of thousands of people to make it possible for Neil Armstrong to be the first person on the moon. What's any of this going to do with us, right? I mean, you didn't come to church today just to hear more about space exploration, even though I know last week was fascinating, everything that I shared. But that's not why we came here today. You know, so why did I spend all of this time talking about all of the people that it took to put a man on the moon? Well, I've already told you that last week we started into a new series of sermons called One Small Step. And throughout this series, we're not just talking about space exploration. We're also talking about something that a lot of us think of as being every bit as challenging, every bit as difficult as putting somebody on the moon. Throughout this series, we're talking about sharing our faith. And for many of us, the idea of sharing our faith seems as hard as sending someone to the moon. It does. For a lot of us, the idea of sharing our faith, it seems every bit as challenging as the idea of sending someone to the moon. And there are a lot of reasons why it seems so hard for us to share our faith. And I think one of the reasons why we struggle so much, why we find it so hard to share our faith, is we get it in our heads. But when we start sharing our faith, we are completely responsible for everything that goes along with it. So what I mean is that if sharing our faith was like working for NASA, we feel like when we share our faith, we have to be able to build the rocket and launch the rocket and land the rocket and sew the spacesuit we're going to wear before we get out of the rocket. So when the preacher starts talking about sharing faith in one of our sermons, starts playing in our mind all those things. is that I've been a pastor for more than 15 years. I even have a master's of divinity degree and an undergraduate degree in religion. And I know for a fact that I can't answer every question that somebody is ever going to ask me about who Jesus is. It's just not in me. And when we get into this mindset, we start thinking that because we can't do it all when it comes 
comes to sharing our faith, we end up not sharing our faith at all. When we feel like we can't do it all when it comes to sharing our faith, we just end up deciding we're not going to share our faith at all. So if you have ever felt ill-prepared when it comes to sharing your faith, if you have ever felt like you were unqualified when it comes to sharing your faith, if you have ever been overwhelmed by the magnitude of everything that might go in and be involved with sharing your faith, i got a story that I want to share with you today. Now, this story is found in the book of Mark. So if you've got a Bible close by, go ahead and grab it and turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And as you're finding it, I want to just remind you that the book of Mark is a biography of Jesus. And in the story that we're going to be reading today, in this account through the book of Mark, you're going to get an idea of what it is that we're really responsible for when it comes to sharing our faith. All right, so with that in mind, let's take a look at Mark chapter 2 together. I want to start reading in verse 1. Here's what Mark writes. Just after a few days, Jesus went to Capernaum, and people heard that he was at home. So many people gathered that there was no longer space not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived, and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Some legal experts were sitting there muttering among themselves. Why does he speak this way? He's insulting God. Only the one God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing, and he said to them, Why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easy. To say to a paralyzed person, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your bed, and walk. But, so that you will know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins, said to the man who was paralyzed, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus raised him up, and right away he picked up his mat, and he walked out in front of everybody. They were all amazed, praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. All right, so in this passage, there are four people, or four groups of people, that I think we need to spend a little bit more time talking about in this sermon. first person we need to spend a little bit more time talking about is Jesus. And we all know who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is the only one who can make us whole. Jesus is the only one who can help us become who God made us to be. So Jesus is the one that we're supposed to be sharing our faith in. Okay? Next person that we need to talk about, the second person we need to talk about in the story, is the man who is paralyzed. This man who is paralyzed, he's hurt. of something that he cannot do for himself. This paralyzed man needs Jesus. So this paralyzed man is like the people that we're supposed to be sharing our faith with. People who are hurting, people who are broken, people who need Jesus. Now the third group of people that we need to talk a little bit more about are the religious experts, the religious leaders in this story. And what did the religious leaders do in this story? 
Well, he didn't do a whole lot, did they? When this paralyzed man who's hurting, who's broken, who needs Jesus, comes before Jesus, the paralyzed, the, the, the religious leaders in the crowd don't do anything to help this man. But as soon as Jesus starts doing something to help this man, those religious leaders don't hesitate to start complaining about it, right? Unfortunately, the church today is filled with a lot of people who act just like those religious leaders. People who won't do anything to help somebody who is hurting, who is broken, who needs Jesus in their lives. But they won't hesitate to complain when the church starts helping people who are hurting and broken and need Jesus in their lives. Now, the final group of people that we need to talk about are those four folks that carried the paralyzed man to Jesus. These four people, those are the people that we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be like those four people who carried their friend, carried this paralyzed man before Jesus. We are supposed to be willing to do what we can to help people who are hurt, to help people who are broken, to help people who are in need, to help people who need Jesus in their lives come to Jesus. And did you notice how many people it took? Did you notice it wasn't just one person who had to do all of the work to get this paralyzed man to Jesus? Did you notice that it took four different people all doing their part to get this man to Jesus? That tells us what it is that we're responsible for when it comes to sharing our faith. When it comes to sharing our faith, we're responsible for doing our part. We're not responsible for doing it all. When it comes to sharing your faith, you're responsible for doing your part. You're not responsible for doing everything. And I'll be honest with you. When it comes to sharing your faith, you're going to have the opportunity to play a lot of different parts for a lot of different people. I mean, when I think about my faith story, I know that it took a lot of people to get me to come to Jesus, even though it happened when I was just seven years old. A lot of different people playing different parts. Like, I had friends that I only got to see on Sunday morning in church. So their part in my story was showing up in church because I was excited to go and hang out with them and spend an hour with them in Sunday school or go to children's church during the worship service. And when I was there, I had Sunday school teachers whose job, whose role, whose part in my story was to tell me about who Jesus is. And then I had preachers who talked about how Jesus can change your life forever. And then I had had my parents who were an example for me of what it looks like when Jesus impacts you, what it looks like when you meet Jesus for yourself, what it looks like when you give your life to following Jesus. And all of these people, they kept moving in the right direction. They helped keep me moving forward until one person, a guy named Ron Burgess, talked with me about what I needed to do to invite Jesus into my life. When I made that decision, when I invited Jesus into my life, and I made him my Lord and Savior, everything changed for me. Because everything changed for me, I had the responsibility to share that good news with other people. But none of it would have happened if I didn't have different people playing different parts along my journey. And that's what you're supposed to do too. 
play the part that God wants you to play, whatever it may be, to help people get closer to Him. So when we get this idea in our minds that we can't share our faith because we feel ill-prepared or unqualified to do all of it, well, it kind of be like hearing that Neil Armstrong didn't want to walk on the moon because he didn't get to build the rocket that was going to carry him. It would be like hearing that Buzz Aldrin didn't want to walk on the moon because he didn't program the onboard computer that was on Apollo 11. It would be like hearing that Gene Cernan, who was the last man to walk on the moon, didn't want to walk on the moon because he couldn't sew his own space. Neil Armstrong realized that it wasn't his part to build the rocket. Buzz Aldrin knew that it wasn't his part to program the computer. Gene Cernan knew that it wasn't his part to sew up a space they had their parts to play, and they relied on other people to do the things that they were supposed to do. So when it comes to sharing your faith, you're responsible for doing your part. And that's exactly what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to do your part, to take another small step to sharing your faith with other people. Because that's really what we're talking about during the sermon series. We're not really just talking about space exploration or why it's so hard for us to share our faith sometimes. What we're really talking about are the small steps that all of us can take to share our faith with others. So I want to challenge you to take another small step to help people who are hurting, who are broken, who are in need, come to Jesus. All right, so in the story that we read from the book of Mark, in Mark's account, we read about these four people who carry this paralyzed man to Jesus. And the truth is that we don't know a whole lot about those four people. We actually just assume that these four people are friends of this paralyzed man. But by making that assumption, that means that these four people, that they know this paralyzed man. They know that he's hurting. They know that he's broken. They know that he needs something that only Jesus can give him. So they have no problem doing their part to carry him to Jesus. And what does that have to do with us? What does it have to do with us sharing our faith? Well, there are people in your life right now that you know are hurting. There are people in your life right now that you know are broken. There are people in your life right now that you know need Jesus. So I want you to take a small step to help carry these people, to help bring these people to Jesus. So here's what I want to challenge you. Challenge you to pray for four people in your life that you know are hurting or broken, four people in your life that you know need Jesus. And I'll be honest, you may not have four names that immediately pop to your mind as you're sitting here listening to the rest of the sermon. If that's how you feel, if that's where you're at right now, I encourage you to spend time talking with God, asking God to show you who four people are in your life that need Him right now. But when you find these four people, when these four people come to your mind, And I want to challenge you to pray for them every single day between now and Easter Sunday. Easter is less than two months away now. But I want to challenge you to pray for these four people every day until Easter. Make this a little bit easier. What I would do is I would write down these four people's names on a piece of paper and put it someplace where I would see it every single day. You put it on your nightstand. You can put it on your refrigerator. You can put it by your remote control or your cell phone. Put it someplace where you're going to see it every single day. And then every single day, take a little bit of time and pray for those people. Pray for them 
by now. Pray that God will help them. Pray that God will heal whatever is broken in their lives. Pray that they will come to Jesus. Pray that God will help you do whatever your part is in bringing to Jesus. Because here's the thing, one thing that all of us need to know when it comes to our God. We can't do it all on our own. When it comes to sharing your faith, it's a team effort. So just like it took 400,000 people to get Neil Armstrong to the moon, we all need to do our part to help other people hear the good news of Jesus, to experience and receive Jesus for themselves. How do we do that? playing our part, by doing what we can do, by taking the small steps to share our faith, that can lead other people to take their giant leap and begin that relationship with God. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we are grateful for the story of these four people who carried the paralyzed man. Because, God, there are plenty of times in our lives when we feel like we are responsible for doing it all when it comes to our faith. We feel like we are responsible for doing it all when it comes to helping people who are hurting, who are in need, who need you. But, God, this story reminds us that all we have to do is our part. Whatever that part may be, we may be the friend that invites somebody to come to church for the very first time. We may be the person who encounters somebody who is hurting as we're out and about in our neighborhood and we do something to help them. We may be the first person who someone ever hears use the name of Jesus or speak about Jesus as someone who loves them deeply. God, there's so many different parts we can play in other people's story, other people's journey to you. So God, help us to realize that we don't have to do it all. You're with us. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who are with us. We're going to help us share our faith and share our love with you with others. So God, my prayer is that you empower every single one of us in this place. Help us to realize that there are parts that we can play in other people's faith stories. Help us be willing to play those parts. God, I also pray that you put four names in all of our minds, of our friends, of our family members, of our co-workers, acquaintances, people that need you in their lives. God, and start doing a work in their lives that will bring them out of their pain, out of their brokenness, and bring them to you. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our Sermon Podcast. And I hope that this episode has challenged you to think about some people in your life that you know are hurting, some people in your life that you know are broken, some people in your life that you know need Jesus. And I hope that you're going to pray for them. I hope, I hope that you pray for them by name every single day between now and Easter Sunday. And if you do, I think that you're going to be able to see God at work in their lives, that God's going to start healing their brokenness, that God's going to start helping them where they hurt, that they're going to be able to find Jesus. 
Well, that does it for this episode's sermon, but next week we're going to be finishing up this series by talking about one more thing that keeps us from being able to share our faith. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. But you don't have to wait for that. You can come and worship with us every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We'd love to have you join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.